you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Today, we're going to be taking a look at what it really means to give. Not just giving of our money, but of our time and talents. In Matthew 6, Jesus tells us not to lay up treasures for ourselves on earth because people can break in and steal them or they can get destroyed. But we're to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where they'll last forever. Let's take a look at today's message, Live to Give. So I want to talk to you about living to give. Uh, Jesus didn't accomplish everything so we could do nothing. That's what some people think. And it's true, there's, you can do nothing to purchase your salvation. That is true. But the Apostle Paul made this statement. He said in Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in my suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now notice he says there's something lacking. Now it's not that Jesus didn't pay the complete price. But what Paul recognized is that there can be something that is lacking in our getting the gospel to others. And, and he said, look, I'm going, to make, I'm going to do my part in getting the gospel to others. Jesus did everything that's necessary to pay for our salvation. But the price that needs to be paid, the sacrifice that needs to be made in order for the gospel to get out that falls on you and that falls on me. Uh, Jesus told us, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things of the world, the things that we really are looking for, maybe not what we think we need, but what we really truly need, what really brings happiness and fulfillment, fulfillment, joy and peace, those things are added to you. Unfortunately, Jesus said to seek first the kingdom, but so many of us, Instead of being eternally minded, we're simply temporally minded. We are self-focused instead of being kingdom focused. But what Jesus said is we need to seek first the kingdom, kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, the Bible is divided into two portions, an in, in old and a new covenant. In, in the old covenant, there's a story of a man. This is, a, by the way, I say a story, but this actually happened. His name was Jonah. He was an Israelite. He was a prophet of God. And the enemies of the Jewish people were the Ninevites. And God told him, go and preach to Nineveh. And preach, and when you get there, tell them, 40 days in Nineveh is going to be destroyed unless there's repentance. Well, he didn't like the idea. In fact, we, we could say that uh, he had no compassion uh, he had extreme prejudice against the people of Nineveh. He considered them to be the, their, their enemies. And so instead of heading towards Nineveh, you know the story, he runs in the opposite direction. He's out on the sea, there's a storm. He gets thrown into the ocean. God prepares a great fish. The fish swallows him up. And somebody says, you believe that? Yes, I do. You say, why? It's in the Bible. It's God's word, I believe it. You believe that if a great fish swallowed Noah, yes. If the Bible said that Noah followed, swallowed a great fish, I would believe it. I'm just telling you, I just believe this book. But after three days, he's 
vomited up on dry land. And he goes again, and God's word to him again is go to Nineveh, preach. And he finally, he goes. And after he's preached in Nineveh, he goes and he sits outside of the city of Nineveh. And he's really, he's waiting and hoping that he's going to get to watch as God destroys the enemy. Well, as he's sitting there, God caused a plant to grow. And, and here, let me just read a little bit. And the Lord says, is it right for you to be angry? So Nineveh went outside the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and he sat under it in its shade. Till he might see what would become of the city. The Lord prepared a plant and he made it come up over Nineveh that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Joni was very grateful for the plant. But in the morning, when it dawned, the next day God prepared a worm and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun rose that he prepared a fervent heat east wind, fervent east wind, the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And when he wished for death for himself, he said, it's better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He said, it's right for me to be angry even to death. Now, all he is, is he's focused on his comfort, on his dreams, on his goals and what he wants to see happen. And God said, you've had, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Shouldn't I have pity on Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left in very much livestock? So, so here's what God is saying to Nineveh. You're concerned about your comfort. You're concerned about your national interests. But you have no concern about a lost and dying people. No burden for the lost. You're just concerned about yourself. You're self-absorbed. And we can get in the same place where we're just concerned about our comfort, our security. In fact, Jesus said things that can take us off focus where we should be, the kingdom. He said the cares of this world. How many of you know there's stuff we need to take care of? But it's not supposed to be our focus. He said the deceitfulness of riches. You see, the deceitfulness of riches comes to everybody. And it says, hey, if you just had more, you'd be somebody. You would be secure. You would be safe if you just had more. If, if you had more, people would acknowledge you and they'd recognize you. If you had more, you would not hurt on the inside anymore. You would be fulfilled if you had more. Every one of those is a lie. But it's the deceitfulness of riches. And then he simply said the desire for other things. How many of you know anything can become your focus instead of the kingdom? It can, be, it can be a house, it can be a career, it can be a person, it can be shopping, it can be a sport, it can be anything. He says it can come in and it can take our focus off where our focus should be. In uh, the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. In the fifth chapter, Jesus is crossing the Sea of Galilee and there's a storm. He rebukes the storm and there's calm, and he comes to the other side, to the area of the Gadarenes, and uh, other, other gospels tell the same story and call it the Decapolis. It's a 10-city region. And when he got out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. 
who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. So this guy lives basically in the cemetery. The, the tombs were actually caves and he would live in the caves where they had put dead bodies. It says he couldn't be bound because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains were pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces and no one could tame him. And always day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshiped him. And Jesus rebukes the evil spirit and ultimately the, the spirits say to Jesus, hey, let us go into those pigs. Now, now by the way, uh, the, the Jews didn't, did, did not place a real high value on pigs. If you didn't know, the, the, the pigs were like the bottom of the barrel for the Jews. And Jesus gave permission for the evil spirits to enter into the pigs. And the Bible says that when they did, this herd of pigs goes down off a cliff and they all drown in the Sea of Galilee, about 2,000 pigs. And, and by the way, that's why we have deviled hams. First instance right there. And, and by the way, ultimately, the devil's goal in every person's life is destruction. That is his goal. Well, when the people that were watching the pigs heard or saw what had happened, they, they went into town and the Bible says they told everybody what had happened. And the people from the town come out and they find this man who'd been running around naked, cutting himself, who they had tried to take and help, but couldn't. The Bible says that he's clothed and he's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to Jesus. But the people, this is what they say. They say to Jesus, please leave. Please leave. We don't want you here. And we don't want you liberating people if it's going to cost us our pigs. You can have pigs in your life. Something that's more important to you than Jesus. More important than seeing somebody else get right with God. More important than the kingdom of God. More important than seeing a marriage restored or a body healed. In a nutshell, Jesus gives us the gospel. A man asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus said the most important thing for any person, that this needs to be like, like the motto of your life. Love God. Love people. Love God. Love people. You see, things are for using. People are for loving. But what happens is we love things and we use people. And it's the exact opposite of what Jesus told us. He says, love God and love people. In fact, the way that we love God very often is by loving people. In the Gospel of Luke, it's a synoptic gospel. It tells the same story. And, and as the story is told in, in Luke's gospel, somebody says, well, Jesus said to love your neighbor. He said, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, the man who falls among thieves and 
First, a priest comes by, and then a Levite comes by. And these are religious people, but they passed by, and they didn't help. But then a Samaritan comes by, and he takes the man, and he puts in oil and wine, and he takes care of his wounds, and he puts him on his donkey, and he brings him to the hotel and takes care of him. Now, the truth is, every one of us, that's what we're called to do. In fact, in Ephesians 2.10, it says this. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do. I want to say, everybody just shout, do. See, when, when Peter preached the gospel, Acts chapter two, the church is born. The people say, what must we do? It, 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 yeah, it's important what you believe, but what you believe needs to affect what you do. In fact, we can really say that, that faith is like a coin. If you have a quarter, on one side, there's a picture of a dead president. On the other side, there's a picture of an eagle. Now, the, 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 the United States Treasury said if either side is marred, it's not legal tender. The eagle needs to be intact. President needs to be intact. Faith in what we believe needs to be intact. But what we do needs to correspond to what we believe. There has to be both sides. And if there's not both sides, there's something wrong. We were created to do good works that God predestined or planned beforehand for us. For us. This is not to keep us from, how can I say this, our purpose, from fulfillment, from joy, from happiness. Now, there, there is nothing that brings more fulfillment in our life than when we're doing what we were created to do. These good works were created for us, for us. Taking paths God prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life. The good life. Now, the good life is not a self-absorbed life. The good life is when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's when we have the most peace. That's when we're the most fulfilled. That is when we are the most satisfied. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. You know, and it's when you serve, it's when you give, it's when you pour out of yourself, literally, that the blessing comes to you. Job has, is attacked by the devil in about every way you can think of. But the Bible says when he prayed for his friends, God turned the captivity of Job. God turned his captivity when he got his eyes off from himself and begin to focus on something else. Everything that we have, everything that we are, is a gift from God to be used for his glory, to make a difference for eternity. Everything that you have, everything that you are, is a gift from God to be used for his glory, to make a difference for eternity. And I have people say, well, you know, I can't, I can't speak to a large crowd. Well, then what you really should be saying is, but I can speak to a small one. Don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. I can't volunteer on Sunday morning. Well, don't tell me that. Tell me you can on Wednesday night. Instead of looking at what you can't do, look at what you can do. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15, Paul said, I will most gladly spend and be spent 
for your souls. I will spend and I will be spent for your souls. You know, every one of us, we need to be ready to spend, to give, and to be spent. It means our resources and our time and our energy and our gifts and our talents. He said, all of it, what for? For souls. You know, the best-selling book, Christian book, of uh, the 20th century was written by Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. And this is how it starts out. It's not about you. It's not about you. And so often we're thinking it's about us, but it's not about us. Catherine Kuhlman said this, when you dig a man out of trouble, the hole which is left is the grave where you bury your own sorrows. Go out each day and do something that nobody but a Christian would do. It won't be long before you forget all about your own troubles. Isaiah 49, verse four, the prophet said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Somebody said there's a rat race and people are trying to get to the top of the ladder. But so often what happens is that ladder is against the wrong building. And you get to the top and you find out this is, what a, this is not what's going to bring fulfillment in my life. This is not my purpose. Prayer begets faith. Faith begets love. And love begets service. That's what Mother Teresa said. I want to say that love begets sacrifice. Jesus told a parable that, that for a long time I wondered, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? Because you, you read it, and it's kind of hard to understand. So I thought I'd read it to you and talk to you about it for just a moment. This is in Luke chapter 16. He said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what's this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me, and I cannot beg, and I'm ashamed to beg. So he resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take your bill, write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And Jesus said, I say to you, make friends for yourself with unrighteous mammon. Make friends for yourself with money. That when you fail, when you die, they may receive you into everlasting homes or habitations. Now, here's what Jesus is telling you and me. He's saying, one of the purposes of money is one you may have not have thought of. He said, what you're supposed to do with money is you're supposed to use some money to touch people's lives for eternity. See, Jesus wasn't commanding the theft he was commending or commending that you use your money to make friends. The purpose of money 
According to Jesus, one of his purposes is that when you die, you will be received in heaven. Now, I've told you this for years. You know, you're going to thank me someday for taking offerings. I may as well just get, get, get myself some running shoes because you're going to chase me all over heaven. And you're going to go, Pastor, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us an opportunity to touch people's lives. Uh, I, I don't even know if, if they're here this morning. Usually they're, they're, they're in this service. I, I haven't spotted them yet. You, you may not know this, but these, these lights up here make it where I can see your face if you're about halfway back. And after that, uh, I just know there's somebody there. So they may be there. But anyway, uh, when Jeannie and I were in Mexico, we lived in an Indian village. And uh, my brother-in-law, Daryl, and, and uh, my sister, Diane, uh, they bought Jeannie and I a sound system, a generator, because where we would go, there was no electricity, and a movie projector. And we went out, and we preached, and we saw thousands, thousands of people saved. Thousands. Now, do you know when they get to heaven, those people are going to be there to welcome them? And Jesus actually taught that our relationships in heaven are going to be in to some degree affected by what we do with our money on earth. You know, if you're here in Res Life, I thought, well, well what, can I, what things can I mention? Well, you know, people get saved. Uh, as a church, we started about 30 other churches. You know, we sponsor missionaries all around the world. We've built orphanages and sponsor orphans. Our, our television ministry has the potential to reach over 3 billion people. I remember when the Lord put on my heart that one day on television, we would pray a prayer of salvation and we would see 10,000 people get saved. We have, uh, oh, that's, uh, uh, this is really great. Uh, we never tell you about all this, all this stuff we do and I can't tell you everything, but we have smuggled in to Iran uh, on mules, crossing over mountains, a hundred thousand Bibles in Farsi. A hundred thousand Bibles. Right? Now, we started Bible schools all over the world. India, Philippines, Ecuador, Guatemala, Mexico, Russia. By the way, the Bible school we started in Russia, over a thousand churches have been started out of that Bible school. You did that. You did that. We have supported pastors in Cuba for 25 years, 200 pastors for 25 years. And they're not even the same pastors. They, their churches grow, they're able to take care of them. But those are just some of the things that your funds do when you sow into the kingdom of God. You see what happens here, but it's not just what happens here. And Bernie told me, I can't tell you about China and some of the other stuff that we do, but we're working, your money is working all around the world. Now, Ephesians 4, verse 26. Let him that stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, that he may have something to give. That he may have something to what? To give. So often, we're just focused on ourselves. Now, the Bible says if you don't take care of your own, especially those of your own household, you've denied the faith and you're worse than an infidel. But do you know when the Bible talks here about giving, that the Bible is constantly trying to talk to us about sowing into the kingdom of God, giving, because it's going to affect our eternity. Jesus said to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
Jim Elliott, the missionary who was martyred in Ecuador, said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In fact, I said that he said it. It's actually what he wrote in the yearbook when he graduated from high school. It's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Uh, 44 years ago, Gene and I were living in Mexico. We had, what, 44 and a half years ago. We had just, just moved to Mexico, young missionaries, living in Guadalajara, in Bible, in Bible college, in language school, starting a church. And we went downtown to the central market. And, and those of you that have been in third world, particularly the third world 40 years ago, um, the price is never the price. In fact, they, they, they expect you to not pay the price. And, and so there was this blanket that Jeannie wanted. And so we start bickering back and forth. And, you know, your last tactic is always to start walking away after you've dickered down for a while. And then they're going to give you the best price possible when you start leaving. So we did our dickering and, and we're starting to leave. And he said, he said, now, now, we are down to $15. I really want it for $13. It's in pesos, but about $13. But we're at 15, and so we're doing the walk away, and this is what he said. He said, this blanket will outlast all your money. 44 and a half years ago. <laughs> Hey, listen, 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 this morning, we had to take it out of the back of Jeannie's truck because we're still using it. That, that $15, who knows? Don't have a clue what happened to it. And if we had kept it, we'd have probably drank it in coffee. But the blanket is still here. Now, let me tell you something. When you put something in the kingdom of God, it's never gone. It is never gone. When you put something in the kingdom of God, you take something that is temporal, something that, that is going to, at some time, change and cease to exist, and you make it eternal when you put it into the kingdom of God. Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25, blessed, oh, excuse me, those who live to bless others will have blessing heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessing will be saturated with favor. You know, when we sow into the kingdom, the Bible says, what's going to happen? God is going to heap blessings upon us. There's a scripture in, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 14. I just want to read this. And uh, I think I'm going to close. I'm about half done. Should close. Verse 14, 2 Samuel 14. For surely, <laughs> we will all surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he desires means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. He devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. You know, everything that we have in this world, uh, it's a means to bring the gospel. 
whether it's a car or an airplane, whether it's the internet, whatever it is, all the things that we have, they're to be used to bring the gospel because God devises means so that the banished ones, the lost, are not expelled from him. We don't want to focus our life in the wrong direction. Again, Isaiah said, I've labored in vain. I spent my strength for nothing and in vain. We can live a life that's in vain or we can live a life of purpose. We can live a life for the kingdom of God. That's what God wants us to do, to live a life of purpose. John Wesley said this. He said, do all the good that you can by all the means that you can and all the ways that you can and all the places that you can at all the times that you can to all the people that you can as long as you can. What we don't want to be is we won't want to be the group or the person who gets all they can, can all they get, and sits on the can. We want to be the one who does all the good that we can for as long as we can, as many ways as we can, to as many people as we can. Jesus said, make friends for yourself with unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, when you die, they may receive you into everlasting homes or everlasting habitations. When Israel was being struck by a plague, God said to King David, Go over and make a sacrifice on, on the place that today is the Temple Mount. And he went over and the, the, the owner of the property said to him, hey, I want to give you the property for your sacrifice. I'm going to give you the animals to sacrifice. And he said, no, but I will surely buy it from you for the full price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. You know, it's supposed to cost something when we come and we worship the Lord. When we sow, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to cost. It's supposed to be a sacrifice, something that's felt, something that's inconvenient. And, and I want to encourage you today, but not just today, to remember one of the purposes for the money that comes into your hand. Some of it's to, to meet your needs, but there is a part of it as to be sown into the kingdom of God, to reach people's, people wherever they are with the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus said, those people are going to receive you into everlasting habitations. In Philippians, the first chapter in the fifth verse, Paul makes a statement that so often we just read right over. He says, for, the fellow, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That word fellowship, some translations say partnership. And that's really what it is. As Paul was going out and preaching the gospel, he mentions in the fourth chapter that they sent an offering to him again, and then they sent another offering to help him as he's preaching the gospel. And they became partners with him in the gospel. And literally what it means is you receive a part of the same eternal reward. And we've been talking today about sowing into the kingdom of God, sowing our time and our talent and our energy, but also sowing finances into the kingdom of God. And if this program is blessing you and feeding you spiritually, I want to encourage you today 
to become a partner with the ministry. Maybe you want to send in a one-time gift. Maybe you'd like to become a regular giver. Well, all the information on how to do that is right on, going to be right on your screen. And I want to encourage you, become a partner. And you say, what does it mean? It means that in heaven, you receive a part of the same reward. That every time you sow into the kingdom of God, and whatever that finance does, that goes on your heavenly account. Paul said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that may abound to your account. He's saying, I, I'm excited about the money. He says, I'm going to be able to use that. But the important thing to me is not the money. The important thing is that it goes on your heavenly account and you're going to receive an eternal reward. Again, all the information's right there on your screen, whether it's a one-time gift or you become a weekly or bi-weekly or a monthly partner. I want you to sow so that you can receive part of the same eternal reward is we're taking the gospel literally around the world. I never want to assume that everybody is where they should be with God. You know, in a group of this group of millions and millions of people watching today, there's going to be people that you've lived for God for decades. There's others you're away from God and there's others you don't know where you stand with God. The Bible says we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. Notice, know that you have everlasting life. You're not supposed to die and find out if you make it to heaven. You're supposed to know today that you're forgiven, that you're right with God, and that you're on your way to heaven. The Bible says to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God. And you may believe in him, you may know about him, but if you haven't received him and you have not surrendered your life to him, you're not where you should be with God. And I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me right now. Bow your head and make these words your own. Just say this out loud if you can. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book and I want you to have a free copy. Now, you can download it or you can contact us and we'll send you a hard copy. The information is right there on your screen. And this book is full of bullet points to help you keep on growing spiritually and advancing and keep advancing in your spiritual life. Thank you so much. We love you and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. It's also available on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. We'd love to hear how God is using Walking by Faith to change your life. Share your story with us by sending a short video from your cell phone to your story at walkingbyfaith.tv. You never know whose life your story will change. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Also, be sure to download our app where you can listen to all past sermons, submit a prayer request, find resources, and much more. I pray you have a wonderful and blessed week. We'll see you again next time.